the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along on another hot Tuesday here in the city of Pittsburgh. Kath, um, I, I saw something today talking about we are leaning towards setting a record for temperatures in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy to be celebrating that here in uh, the first iteration of broadcast from your spare room in your unair conditioned house. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, uh, whatever happened with your husband not sealing that deal? I don't what know. The heck? Listen, so my husband, as a surprise, uh, ordered an, an air conditioner, a yeah. quiet air conditioner for me to use here in the spare room since mm-hmm. we're broadcasting from home. Yeah. And that was at least, what, four or five weeks ago. Oh, easy. And it's not showing. No, it's not going to show. Uh-uh. It'll be there sometime in November, right? Right. Just when uh-huh. I don't need it, it's going to come to the front door. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Hey, um, uh, I had to go into um, the doctor's office today. And as I'm going in, there was a young woman. She was helping me, had her mask on and took my, you know, thermal temperature and whatnot, brought me in the back room and, you know, started to set up some uh, equipment. Anyway, I said to her, how are you with your mask? And she was like, oh, she said, I can't tell you how much I despise wearing this thing because it was like 730 in the morning when I got in there. She said, I wear this from now until four o'clock. She said, the second I'm out the door, Mm -hmm. this mask comes off. And she also said, though, but at the same time, I was in the strip. She said she was in the strip on Saturday and she bought more than several different designer masks just to mix things up a little bit. So it made me think because, you know, you read something at least once a day or see something once a day. Somebody gets beaten up or someone's yelling in a store. or what. Right. It's a very complex issue, our relationships with our masks, isn't it? I don't think it should be as complex as we're making it. I agree. I mean, there are healthcare professionals that have done this for their entire career. Yeah. But it's become such a contentious issue. It's dumb. It's dumb that people are making such a contentious issue. However, can I say that I hate it? It's okay for me to just say out loud, I hate wearing a mask. And I say that with all deference to therapists or nurses or physicians who do this all the time. I feel bad for them. I do. And I, I, and I think you guys are all awesome. You are. Because I hate it. I just hate it. But me hating it does not mean I don't do it. And I think that's where we're falling apart a little bit. Like, it seems like America's saying, I don't want to wear it, so therefore, I'm not going to. Yeah. I mean, there are the science deniers among us who say, this is flawed science. It doesn't make a difference if you wear a mask or not. Or, you know, you're infringing upon my personal liberties. I I can choose to do what I want to do. Okay, so if you're having surgery and you're laying there on the operating room table and your surgeons and nurses come in without masks on and tell you that they would have worn a mask as if they were asserting their right to decide what they want to do with their life, how would you feel? 
<laughs> yeah, well, you have to sort of look at them from a different perspective, right? I mean, I, I just think about the, no shoes, no shirt, no service. no service. That's it. I mean, it's not that complex. Really, it isn't. And it's not as though the government's bullying you into doing this. Get out of here. Clearly, you can see things have gone down. I mean, we're, we're much better here in Allegheny County than we were a, a month ago. And Way gotta, better. You know, yeah. the numbers today, I think, were 74 new cases. At the beginning of July, we were at 274 new cases. Right. So, I don't know. Somehow, public safety and health has become this massive political football, and it's fallen along ideological lines. That's stupid. So, uh, I don't know. Here's the good news. I don't have to wear a mask hardly at all. I mean, I run into the grocery store 10, right. 15 minutes, maybe a couple of times a week at the most. And the rest of the time, I'm at home. So like you, Kath, I feel really greatly appreciate everybody who's out there on the front lines wearing their masks so that we ourselves can live the way we live. Exactly. So if you work at a grocery store or you are a garbage man or you're working at Rite Aid, you're wearing a mask every single day. So for all of you who, all of us, I shouldn't point the finger because I've done my share of complaining about masks for all of us complaining, you know, we, I, I wear mine an incredibly small percentage. Now let's talk about teachers, John, as we're mm-hmm. in the back to school time of year. Um, I have a, I have a lot of friends who are teachers in all sorts of different districts around um, the Pittsburgh area. Some are staying at home. Uh, Some who teach in private schools are going in and teaching students. And here's the thing I just heard today from a friend Hmm. is not only are they uh, tasked with wearing, um, what do you call the, like the face shield? Oh yeah. The plastic shield. A lot of teachers are choosing the face shield because it's way easier to communicate with students if you're wearing a face shield than if you're wearing a mask, right? Um, They were informed today that they had to wear both. What? Face shield. wear a mask and a face shield. And mask. That doesn't make, what, what? What's the deal? And see, now, I don't know. Now, see, if you're next, an anti-masker, next, you kind of go, see, it's ridiculous. Right. And it's next, one step forward. Right. And next is the wetsuit. I mean, mm-hmm. what, like, I don't, I don't know how many more things goggles. we can wear. Remember right. The goggles. And then the goggles. Right. 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 Okay. right. Yeah. And then we'd like you to wear boots. Uh, how many masks uh, do you, do you currently have? I don't know. A lot. Six. Six. Oh, six. I have two. Okay. Just two in rotation. Well, listen, now this is, this is lame, but I bet there are a lot of people that identify with this about, Maybe a month ago, you know what I went out and did? Hmm. I went out and ordered some nice looking masks. As opposed to what? Well, the ones I had initially were are very good, but they're a little intimidating. Okay. They're just a little intimidating in appearance. Yeah. And so I went and got some ones that looked a little bit like they had some oh. style. Fashion or masks. Fa- they're fashion masks, no, John. It's okay. I got no problem with that. Okay, good. I don't know if you'd look down at me for choosing no, fashion no, no, masks, no, 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 but no, I did. No. I thought, you know. Whatever makes you feel comfortable in public, right? I mean, I hate wearing a mask. We all do, but I'm going to do it. So I might as well do it in one that I like. Right. I saw a mask the other day and a guy was wearing it. It was a protest mask. And it said, this mask is as effective as Governor Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) I give him my points for comedy. Okay, it was. It was good comedy, right? If Um, not for kindness, but that's good. Mike, you're wearing a mask? Um, only when I'm out in the, at the grocery store and, uh, public places, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, I mean, you uh, see people driving I mean, you're not car. wearing them at home. No, no. no, obviously not. I probably have, uh, I think I have, now I have two masks that, um, are really, really thick layered. And mm. then I just, I went, I went to Hope Depot over the weekend and got more of those, uh, like those really thin sur- surgical masks, but, okay. you know, uh, it's, it's not going to end anytime soon here, no. right? 
right? You were saying that before the show started. Well, I want this thing to end. Well, we're going to be we doing do. this until when? Maybe next spring or even beyond that. Who knows? Hey if, the, hey, if the Russians vaccine wins, maybe we'll just do it for a couple more weeks. Go to yeah. Moscow. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little vaccine humor, friends. I don't think okay. any of us want the Russian vaccine, do we? We do not. We do no, not. No, we don't. We're going to talk about that, however, as today's show unfolds in the five o'clock hour. We will talk about that brand new vaccine that Russia says they are right on the verge of and Putin's daughter is getting injected into her. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about whether that is uh, actually a safe thing. And we'll talk about a cultural moment that's happening in America that makes one of our guests feel like the very end time of the Soviet Union. That's in the five o'clock hour. In our four o'clock hour, um, Facebook removed nearly 40% more terrorist content in the second quarter of this year. We'll talk about what that could possibly mean. And also coming up next, uh, the Reverend Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill Church. He's going to talk about what it looks like to be a peacemaker in a time of division. We have a terrific show. It's going to be a lot of fun with a lot of good conversation. We're glad you're along for the Tuesday edition of of the ride home. Be back in a minute. WORD. Sometimes two girls just seem to communicate on the same wavelength. On the next Adventures in Odyssey, Aubrey befriends a blind girl named Lisa, and together they cook up a scam using a two-way radio to make people believe Lisa can see with her mind. But the situation comes to a boil when Lisa decides to tell the truth. Is their friendship over, or will Aubrey see the light? Find out on the next Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Some of your favorite pastors and authors like Charles Stanley, John Piper, and Max Lucado are bringing you their most popular devotionals for free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend time in God's Word daily. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, workplace, and more. Crosswalk.com offers spiritual growth for every stage of life. Visit Crosswalk.com. We want everybody to have a level of comfort knowing that they're in a safe environment, that they're in a caring environment, and that their health and well-being is our top priority. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We are constantly screening both ourselves and patients. I want my patients to know that we are there for them. When they are ready, we are here. You're going to be safe. You're going to be well cared for. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. 
Hello, this is Terry Hanna, host of Christians with Secret Addictions. I'm not a pastor, theologian, therapist, or counselor. I'm a Christian with 26 years of healing for multiple addictions. If you or a loved one are lost in the wilderness of an addiction, we're here for you every Sunday evening at 6.45 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Why not join us on this spiritual journey to the promised land of healing? Talk to you Sunday. I don't know if it's just me, you know, in my own internal sort of anxiety and angst and all that. But whenever I go out in public, it feels as though things are tight. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, you know, again, if I'm reading into this, I, you know, I'm reading a newspaper or, you know, trying to implement that or, you know, overlay that on society. I mean, you know, my one-on-one relationships, you know, you, new Mike, my family here, all that, I'm in good shape there. But, I, you know, the, the sort of overarching thing, the things that I can't control seem to me sort of dark and nefarious. And again, I don't know if that's just me. So how do you, how do I, how do you, when you feel these things, act as a peacemaker in these times of division and rancor? Pastor Kurt, Bork, Kurt, Pastor Kurt Bjorkland is with us. Excuse me, Kurt. He is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church, here to talk about how to be a peacemaker. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah, without a doubt, these are times where there are a lot of different opinions on everything. And, you know, from should kids go to school, should they play sports, to, you know, the efficacy of a face mask, to the reliability of COVID stats, um, to uh, is there something nefarious behind Black Lives Matter, uh, not the idea of Black Lives Mattering, but the movement and the people uh, responsible for it. I mean, yeah, just everywhere you turn, there's, there are so many different opinions. And yet in that context, Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. Uh, if we're people of faith, then that is part of the call. That's Matthew 5, 9. Uh, right out of his most famous teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. What, what I find interesting about this particular portion is that in another place, Jesus says that he didn't come to bring peace, Matthew 10. Mm, he put the sword, yeah. Uh, 30, yeah, 34 through 36. And so it's it's one of those things where on a surface reading, you would quickly say, oh my goodness, Jesus contradicts himself. Uh, because in one hand he's saying, yeah, I want you to be about peace. And then at another time he says, there's, I didn't bring peace, and you're going to be at war. And at least for me, I, I resolved that just in a very simple manner of saying, in Matthew 5, 9, it appeared that he was talking to a large crowd, maybe a group of zealots that had gathered, thinking up for revolution or overthrow. And in Matthew 10, he was speaking very specifically to his disciples about the cost of ministry, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that on one hand, that both things can be simultaneously true, that that his disciples are called um, in a politically rancorous time to be peacemakers, while at the same time recognizing the reality that that they'll never be completely at peace with the world because the world system is hostile to the things of God in many ways. And and when we try to put those things together, we will often not be able to do that. And so that's uh, that's part of, of the challenge of it. So, so this is just just looking at this and, and trying to think through what, what is then the responsibility to be a peacemaker. It, it appears to me that really the first thing is to understand there's a difference between true peace and false peace. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times 
we mistake peacemaking for appeasement, for yeah. compromise, for something that is uh, akin to somebody not ever having an opinion, never saying anything that's controversial, never right, right. Um, ever irritating anybody. And that doesn't seem to be peace. Uh, even in the Bible, peace is really the idea of reconciling, bringing together a couple of things. Uh, I love how Thomas Kempis put it. He was a person of a few generations back. He said, all people desire peace, but very few desire those things that make for peace. And mm. his concept was things like struggle, understanding, confrontation, forgiveness. The things that we really have to do to bring peace are are rare in, in our day and in any day. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, as you think about that, okay, so, so then you say, okay, real peace is bringing things together. Legitimately, it requires some, some effort. Then really the question becomes, how do we um, not escalate situations, whether they're between us and somebody else, between other people, and, um, and choose instead de-escalating behaviors. And, and that is uh, something that, that, that is in many ways uh, really broad in terms of all the things you could talk about. But um, it seems like, like really some very simple um, ways of thinking about her are really helpful. Uh, meaning, uh, I think in Second Corinthians twelve twenty, it talks about um, not having quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, mm-hmm. slander, gossip, arrogance, mm-hmm. disorder. Like he just took a list like that and said, okay, where are some of those things prevalent in my behaviors? You know, quarreling. Do I blame people? Do I expand an issue instead of sticking to the issue at hand? Do I do I assume ulterior or poor motives with other people when I'm talking with them? Um, jealousy. Do I find myself wanting what other people have, maybe their influence or something, or wanting to knock them down, and therefore I argue in a different way than just on the positions themselves, but on the um, idea of wanting to score some kind of points. You know, outbursts of anger, same kind of thing, the threats, the, the, the sense of sarcasm, mockery that can be part of it. Um, factions, which is really coalition building. You know, I talked to your mom and she and I agree that, you you know, that kind of a thing. Um, Slander, which is really name calling um, in in its own way, uh, even if it's implied. Um, Arrogance, uh, all of those things really can, can put us in a place where, where instead of being about peace, what we become about is, is something that is, destructive. And, and really, as, as, as I was just thinking about this the other day, I was thinking about if you ever have a fire somewhere and you want to get the fire going a little more, you can take something like lighter fluid and douse the fire with it. It doesn't always have a great long-term effect, but it, it causes the fire to, to burn brighter, higher, hotter, at least in the short term. Or you can, when you want to leave, throw some water on it. And in a sense, that's really the choice that we have in every interaction, every day, and 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 when we are committed to peacemaking, we are choosing to not make the escalating choices in those mm-hmm. in those moments. Right. Okay. So if we're going to choose that route of not making the escalating choices, Kurt, um, it requires that we are mature in our own faith first 
to to even make that choice. And I guess that's that's the thing that's been discouraging to me, especially since the COVID era began, is just that it seems as if, you know, we have a lot of people who say that they believe in Jesus, but when it comes to dealing with any political issue, what comes out of their mouth is just harsh. It's judgy. Um, it's finger pointing it, and that's the nicest. Those are the nicest adjectives I can use. Uh, and, and so it just yeah. seems like we have in our head that being a Christian in politics is having the right perspective on issues that it doesn't have anything to do with how we speak about them or carry out our conduct. Uh, that's such a well stated, very well stated. It, the challenge, and this is what I'm grappling with just as, you know, a spiritual leader, if you want to use that term, um, is that so much of the Christian dialogue today is centered around a quest for self-righteousness. And I don't mean that in the sense of uh, an aware, like, I'm better than you. But Mm -hmm. so much of the dialogue is, I have the right perspective. I am, and you take any issue and you get it on either side. And what it is, is me and the people who think like me we're the right ones, we're the good ones, and the people on the other side are the bad ones. And what that is, is it's a quest to be um, made right through our views or to be seen by ourselves, if nobody else, as having it together. And what we've done is we've substituted the justification that ultimately comes from God himself through Jesus Christ, which Romans 5.1 talks about as peace with God, for feeling this sense of rightness with mm. other people. And as a result, it's hard for us to actually extend grace to other people because we think something more is at stake than is actually at stake. And that is ultimately God is sovereign. He's going to work. And I'm not saying debates don't matter, but what I'm saying is we act as if being right and convincing other people that we're right is often what makes us acceptable to God mm, or with ourselves. And, and when yeah. we can can get to the point where we say, no, my acceptance with God is based on acknowledging that I'm not right. It's the exact opposite. Um, then, then I'm able to, to enter into conversations and ask questions, seek understanding, um, seek to explain what I'm thinking or feeling without having to, to defend it as if, as if my own self-justification or moral standing depends on making my point clearly. That's good. Bjorklund, senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church, talking about being a peacemaker. So when you start your day, Kurt, uh, do you ascribe those peacemaking qualities to yourself before you even go out of the house or even when you go downstairs and greet your children and wife for the first time? Uh, I wish I could say I did that every day, but uh, what I usually do is if I know that I have some conversations coming that are particularly challenging, is I will try to take some time to really pray through that and get my heart to what I was just talking about, saying my justification is not in how this conversation goes. Mm, yeah. um, the The challenge is sometimes you get surprised, and you know it's just hard to stay in front of everything. Um, and so sometimes you know you'll have a moment where all of a sudden you say, "Wow, I just found myself acting in a way that is not." in accordance with this. And one of the things that, that I think is true about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching, is that it really isn't merely a list of things to ascribe to, but it's a wall we run into to remind us over and over of our need for grace. And so even the call to be a peacemaker, though it's truly God's call, like it, I'm not diminishing that in any way, 
it's also a reminder every time that we don't act that way of just how desperately we need grace. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing of calling us to something and yet reminding us that we come up short. And that's exactly why we need, need a savior. I'm into that. Kurt, take a second, uh, talk about Orchard Hill, uh, your meeting and the particulars of people want to join you. Yeah, so like most churches right now, we're doing a lot of things online, really easy to find at orchardhillchurch.com. We are also doing in-person meetings at all of our campuses. We started back at the beginning of June, socially distanced, reduced um, services, register ahead of time. Uh, And so far, by God's grace, we haven't had any known cases with our gatherings and any known transmissions. And I say, by God's grace, I... Mm would expect that if this continues the way it is, at some point there would be something like that. Yeah. But, um, but so far we've, with social distancing and everything, been able to, to meet and have success. Certainly a lot of the people who had uh, chosen to make attendance part of their lives are choosing to participate online. And right now we're encouraging that for those who feel like that's their best choice. And for those who feel like, uh, like being in person, we wanted to provide that as well. So we're actually providing several options. We have a Saturday night outside service uh, at six o'clock at our Wexford campus. And then we have uh, some indoor services on Sunday, um, a bunch of options between our different campuses and, and locations. Fabulous. Kurt, thanks as always. Peace be with you. We appreciate your time here. Thank you. Have a wonderful afternoon. And you as well. Kurt Bjorklund, Senior Pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Orchard Hill Today is heard daily here on 101.5 Word FM. We'll take a break, step away. Uh, cruise. You want to take a cruise? Those poor Listen. people stuck at sea. Oh, and we've got breaking news about Joe Biden's running mate as well. Stick around for that. It's the ride home with Shana Caffey. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have, and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84, Pennsylvania. Not only will you enjoy watching the heifers in the field and the baby calves in the mini barnyard, but you should also come hungry for our fabulous farm fresh cooking. Step inside the Springhouse for hot roast beef sandwiches, turkey and stuffing, hickory smoked ham, stuff. 
stuffed cabbage rolls, real mashed potatoes, and a whole lot more. A different menu each day. The locals tell their friends that our famous chocolate milk is the official drink of the spring house. And be sure to save room for apple pie, ho-ho cake, Oreo cheesecake, or lots of other from-scratch goodies for dessert. Have I made you hungry yet? Let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Cloudy and humid tonight, low 67. Sunshine Wednesday, high 87. Partly cloudy for tomorrow night, low 67. Thursday, humid with clouds and sun. Watch for an afternoon shower or thunderstorm in spots, high 84. Cloudy on Friday with a shower or thunderstorm, high 88. Saturday, high 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Just a few minutes ago, uh, across the news wires, it's reported that Joe Biden has selected Kamala Harris to join him on the ticket as the vice presidential running mate. So the uh, tickets are set. Uh, much speculation. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Kath, were you surprised? Not at all. No? I, in fact, I can't figure out why it took him so long to decide on her. I mean, she was the front runner from the beginning. Okay. So well, I, I don't know. I guess anyway. there had to be a lot of vetting. Uh, lots of vetting i'm sure there's lots of vetting yes okay um so we're all unhappy with the coronavirus for all sorts of different reasons so if if you're a teacher you have your reasons if you work at giant eagle you have your reasons if you're a bus driver you have your Mm, reasons if you're a surgeon uh or if you're a radio host you have different reasons why you why you're unhappy with the virus but imagine being an employee of a cruise ship Because when I tell you what they have been through since this thing started, you're going to thank your lucky stars that you have the job that you have. Wait, no, wait. Cruise ships have been shut down, haven't they? Yeah. So cruise ships have been shut down since the middle of March, right? Yeah. yeah. But the crews on the cruise ships, some of them, John, have not gotten home yet. What? Since the beginning, the beginning of the COVID-19 era. Wait, wait, wait. People who work on the cruise ships are still on the cruise ships? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So there are 125,000 people who work on cruise ships. Okay, 125,000 people. Long after all the passengers had gone home and the cruise ship story didn't even matter in the news story, there were still thousands, thousands 
of employees stuck on vessels far from their homes in India or Indonesia or the Philippines and all sorts of other far-flung nations. And they were largely barred from getting on commercial airlines to get home. Okay, so this is the problem. Barred by who? Barred by the CDC. Oh my God. From getting on commercial airlines. This is an article in today's Wall Street Journal by Rebecca Smith, Jackie McNish, and Surya uh, Tapa Bachayara. And I'm, I'm sure I completely ruined that. Like name. I would know the difference. Anyway, um, the cruise companies decided, John, to sort most of their employees by home country, okay, and regroup them on their own cruise ships and sail them home, which seems like mm. a good strategy, yeah, right? Yeah. But it became this huge shuffling of workers because there were so their cruise ships were all over the world. So they were trying to figure out, you know, if you're in the Indi- if your boat's in the Indian Ocean and you're from America, what kind of ships do they have to put you on to get you back to America? Oh okay, it, it's like it's like a crazy puzzle, right? Um, so apparently, because it took so long and nobody really knew how to do it. Crew members are saying that there were dangerous conditions for employees that were stuck on ships, right? Some ships allowed employees to congregate in restaurants and bars. They stood in buffet lines. They danced on dance floors because these poor people are stuck on these boats. They have no idea how they're going to be there. So, of course, they're not concerned about basic precautions. And at the beginning, nobody really knew how serious the whole thing was, right? So... They've got thousands of crew members that they're trying to repatriate to over 100 nations. Okay, so this is a nightmare for cruise companies like Carnival or Norwegian Cruise Lines or whatever. But as of this writing, more than 1,500 are still out there. Since March. still on a miscellaneous cruise ship somewhere trying to figure out a way to get home. So wait now, uh, not to this. Well, it would make a difference. Are they being paid a salary? No, they haven't been paid since the middle of May because there aren't any passengers. So the cruise ships aren't getting any income. And so they're not paying them. So they're feeding them, which is good. I'm very glad for that. But you know, their families at home in India or Indonesia or wherever, they're not getting any income and oh they don't know when they're going to see their father or mother or whatever it is. Again. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so in late March, weeks after the first outbreaks on cruise ships, and with some passengers who were still stuck on board, many ships sailed away from the U.S., right, trying to fly workers home through airports or consolidate crews or whatever. But, uh, and then at that point, before the CDC br- brought, the, uh, brought the, the gate down, they flew on commercial airlines. And so they infected thousands of people because they'd come from an infected ship. Oh, sure. They got off, they got on an airplane and went home and it was a disaster. So the CDC saw that and said, okay, there, nobody who works on a cruise ship is allowed to fly on an airplane. Mm. Well then what do you, what are you going to do with them? Rent a car. Right. Okay. I got to tell you about this is, this is a very long article, which has a tremendous number of stories, but I have to tell you about the Disney cruise line. Okay. So the Disney cruise line, cruise line, cruise line is, uh, off the coast of San Diego, okay? This is in mid-May, so the pandemic has already been raging for a long time, okay? They asked the CDC if they could let their crew members who tested negative from the ship to get off in Anaheim, okay? So the CDC says, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. We can't have people who are contaminated coming onto U.S. soil. There are 740 people on the ship, okay, who cannot, none of whom can get off. Okay, so they decide to leave. They decide to leave San Diego, go through the Panama Canal 
and start leaving people on Caribbean islands. <laughs> just to get them off the just ship. Just willy-nilly. You're not even from here. We're right. just going to leave you off. We'll come so back guess, later and get so, you. So the CDC finds out on May 11th and sends them a letter and says, you can't do that. You can't just leave oh people on Caribbean islands because you want to get them off the ship. Because you can imagine those people were infected and now they're infections all over the Caribbean islands, right? Holy smokes. I mean, it, that's just one story of, of people who are absolutely stuck. There's this poor Japanese photographer who started a six-month contract back in February on Holland, America. He was just working for the cruise company, just taking photographs. Listen, he just got home last week. Oh my he, gosh. Yeah. He, he went, he, he, he had to get on six different ships and he's, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable anyway. So forever, for however frustrated you are, imagine being that um, hamstrung by all the different agencies, all the different countries, your own company, and realizing that at the end of the day, there really is absolutely no way for you to get home. Well, I wasn't going to go on a cruise before. I'm certainly not going to go on one now and pray for those poor people who are stranded on those ships. Let's take a break. Listen, Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the poor, but now it feels as though the poor are less and less part of the church. We'll talk about that next. Stick around. It's the Ride at Home edition here, the Stay at Home edition of the Ride Home with John McCaffrey. WORD. What is love? Well, it's inspired more writers, artists, and philosophers than any question since the beginning of time. This week on Through the Bible, we're in 2 John, which focuses on this big question and gives us examples of love in action. Dr. McGee calls it sidewalk salvation and teaches us to put our love for God into action. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic accompanied by a mental health crisis? As COVID-19 has spread, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications have nearly doubled. Yet in a world consumed by worry, God has a purpose for anxiety. And that's the subject of a timely new book, The End of Anxiety the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Written by pastor and biblical counselor Josh Weidman, it offers his personal prescription with practical steps and biblical answers for coping with stress and deepening trust and dependence on God. The End of Anxiety can help you find peace and joy in times of uncertainty, fear, and darkness. Our main goal as Christians is to glorify God in everything we do. And as the author opens his life and personal journey in this book, he shows how suffering, anxiety, and our mental battles can bring God the glory. The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Learn more at endofanxiety.com. Seasons of change. Change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. 
While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Remember long ago when we used to go to church Sunday morning? And you look around, and the church would be filled with people who were worshiping Jesus. Now, when you looked around quickly, did you ever look around and go, oh, I know that guy, you know, he's a businessman, he's doing this. I know that guy over there, he's working at a garage doing this. You know, it was generally, hopefully, in in many churches, a melting pot of what society was reflecting. Well, the bad news is that people of lower income, are leaving the church in mass that for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's a lot of them, people of lower incomes are just not part of the Christian congregations like they used to historically. Well, we're happy to welcome back to the show, Ryan Bursch. Ryan has joined us many times in the past. He is a professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. He teaches American institutions, public administration, international relations. And uh, Dr. Bursch, welcome to the show. The piece that you wrote, uh, Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, but now they're leaving the church. How can that even be? Yeah, it's really an alarming thing that I really haven't seen other people talk about, other demographers, other social scientists, other pastors, but in 2018, over a third of people in the bottom quartile, so making the lowest 25% of incomes, are now never attending church when it's only about 25% of the richest Americans. So now the gap has gotten larger, an eight-point gap between the richest and poorest Americans when it comes to never attending church. And I think that's really a, a problem going forward because church has always been sort of the great equalizer in a society. You know, you don't have to pay any dues or pay any fees. The plate passes, you can put a dollar in or no dollars in or a thousand dollars in. You're still welcome and loved just like everybody else. But unfortunately, the church has become a lot more focused on upper middle class people with deeper pockets, you know, kind of polite society. And I think people in the lower levels have, for a bunch of reasons, sort of slipped away from church. And I think it's to their detriment, but I also think it's to society's detriment as a whole and the church as a whole because we're not as diverse as we used to be politically, uh, income wise or, you know, racially as well. Ryan, talk about the reasons why this is happening. What's contributing Mm -hmm. to people who are in lower income brackets who maybe 50 years ago would have been faithful churchgoers and contrast that with people today? Yeah, I think it's, I don't want to oversell, I don't think it's always related to these bigger, larger, you know, social ideas going on. I think in a lot of ways it's practical because now we know that, you know, things like minimum wage is so low that a lot of people have to work two and three jobs, oftentimes on the weekend. And they're just too tired to go or their job conflicts with the church schedule. So when you know they have to find something to cut, church becomes the easy thing to cut because they don't have to go there. And so they feel like 
you know, I'm not getting enough back from the church experience that why would I, you know, I want to sleep in on Sunday morning or I can't go on Sunday morning, so I just won't go. I think logistics is part of it. But I also think that, you know, this income inequality that's happened to America, I think is something that uh, Christians don't talk about enough. I know I don't want to turn into a Bernie Sanders or, a, you know, a leftist or whatever, but we do know the richest Americans have gotten much richer over the last 30 years. And the middle class actually has no more buying power today than they had back in the 1970s. So they're working harder and harder and not right. getting ahead. And church becomes sort of the first thing to go off the boat when the boat's sinking. So I think for a lot of people, they don't they don't dislike God or dislike church. It's just easy to to throw it over the side because they don't really see the immediate benefit of doing you know being in church every Sunday. Right, but you know the the church, of course, does need to be that open, welcoming door, that melting pot that I spoke of. And, you know, in the past, of course, and still to this day, Ryan, and you know this, many churches provide assistance to poor people, whether it's food pantries or some, you know, contribution in hard times. The church has always been a lifeline to people. So you think more that they would stick around because they're also being fed spiritually as well as economically in many ways. Yeah, no, I think that's a hundred percent true. I think, you know, there's a story that I, that I experienced when I was going to college. We had, I went to a, a liturgical church. They had something called the Prayers of the People, which is where, you know, the, the congregation could say, you know, please sure. pray for my brother who has cancer. Please pray for myself. Who did. I had a, there was a guy who stood up at a congregation I was at, and he said, you know, would you please pray for me? I just lost my job. And, you know, and then the congregant said, Lord, in, our, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And then the service kind of went on. Well, after church, I saw one of the businessmen in the congregation go up to that young man and say, hey, I have a job for you. And the next day, he went and had a job. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and it's not always miracles. It's very you know, basic, practical ways like speaking out and saying, I need a job. Churches are great places to be connected to the larger community, right? And if we're not part of that community, I think the poor, they don't, they don't – I mean, I don't want to denigrate them at all, but I think they're actually making their situation worse by not being part of church communities because sure. church people like helping out church people. They just need the opportunity and they need to know how to help, and church services make that very much easier, the communication. Dr. Ryan Burge is with us, professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. Ryan, I wonder if how much of a role technology plays in this. Um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling over the last couple of years and um, in all sorts of different countries. I'm really surprised at the prevalence of smartphones in places where people are really poor. Um <laughs> I just saw this in Indonesia when I was there a couple, well, I was going to say a couple months ago, but it was now six months ago because I've lost complete track of time since this uh, <laughs> pandemic hit. But, but I was, I mean, there were iPhones everywhere in incredibly difficult circumstances that people were living in. And so it just, you know, technology everywhere. And I think of it here in America as well. Um, look at, I have two kids who are going to be in college in just a couple weeks and they would do anything before they let their iPhone lapse. I mean, they would be, Mm -hmm. you know, eating chips three times a day before that. So (laughs) technology has, has achieved this level of prominence. And I think it maybe tricks us, Brian, what do you think into thinking Mm -hmm. that we're connected with people? So we don't need a thing like a church. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I always tell my students, the United Nations have said that access to the internet is a basic human right. And people laugh at that, but they don't realize how important it is for society now, right? Like it's, 
It creates job opportunities. It creates business opportunities. It creates a sense of togetherness. But I think you're exactly right, Kathy. It is sort of an artificial sense of social capital. You don't create those connections you do being in the same room with somebody else and reading body language. And the thing is, and we all know this, when you go on the Internet, people say things to each other they would never say to each other in real life. Right. So it's an artificial type of conversation that I think sort of impedes our growth as human beings, but also impedes our ability to feel connected to each other. And think about this. If you are lower on income, spectrum, go to- it might be because because you're unemployed. Right. If you're unemployed, you're not social. I think that's the bigger thing I worry about is an overall lack of socialization is bad economically, but it's also bad spiritually, and it's also bad psychologically, too. And I think the poor are suffering from all these things at one time in America, especially. All right. Well, so, Ryan, the, the church obviously can do something to equip and engage, to, you know, be a, a more of a trumpet, I guess, right? To allow people to know, hey, look, if you've never attended church and, you know, you want to come on in here, we can do this, 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 and this. We provide all these yeah. things for you. Not as though, you know, mm-hmm. it's a social services gigantic net, but at the same time, to speak to the needs of the community. We all need each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, know, absolutely. But I think the churches need to not see poor people as a social service project. You know, right. they're not yeah, a good point. something we just, we just throw money at, right? Or right. Like we feel no, no, good no. because we gave yeah. them a, a loved offering. Like, that's not the kind of – I don't think poor people want that. I think they want to feel like they're part of the community, and when they need help, they're helped up. Um, Listen, my Ryan, brown the, my, church is, my church has saved me a 100 times, and it wasn't necessarily oh, because I was, I was poor economically, but I was poor in a lot of other ways, and mm-hmm. I really needed help. Uh, and and that's, what the, that's what you get when you hang around a church is you realize that we're all poor in different ways, and we all mm-hmm. can unbelievably benefit from that type of community. Ryan, I'm sorry we're out of time, um, but thank you so much for being with us again. Dr. Ryan Burge, Professor of Political Science at Eastern Illinois University. We need to take a break. We'll be right back on The Ride Home. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. It's an unwritten rule of motherhood to put family before yourself. While very noble, it can also be counterproductive. This is Dr. Corin Garchak, the female half of the husband and wife team at Tranquility Specific Chiropractic. As a mother of two, let me encourage you, mom, not to ignore those aches and pains you've been feeling. Your family needs you at your best. We're here to help you meet the challenge. Tranquility Specific Chiropractic, 
412-833-1314. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Planning a vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement? Not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help, showing you how to generate retirement income, how to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy, and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553. Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Thanks for being with us on today's edition of The Ride Home. John, you there? I am here. We're we're now broadcasting via our smartphones, Cass. Yeah, we had a little technical difficulty, and this is the way it is on, uh, I don't know, on a Tuesday. Maybe it's every day in the pandemic era. Um, Talk about Facebook, John. I saw an unbelievable stat today that Facebook removed nearly 40% 40 more terrorist content in the second quarter. Okay, so this is weird. Now, look, uh, for a long time, we were streaming our show on Facebook, and then we were essentially, you know, kind of dumped for some weird reason, which we have yet to fully comprehend. Now, Facebook has been extremely aggressive in the last several months about looking at content, which they consider to be uh, dark. Now, I applaud them for this because everybody knows, you know, how uh, foreign infiltrators really work to go against Americans' interest in the last election. However, Facebook removed 8.7 million pieces of terrorist content, which includes, according to the company's definition, non-state actors that engage in or advocate for violence to achieve political, religious, or ideological aims in the second quarter of this year, up from 6.3 million in the first quarter. The problem is, though, as you sift through that, who is making these decisions, especially when you talk about religious aims because all of a sudden are are conservative christians are we now considered you know like a terrorist organization are we on that watch list i mean there's a possibility who knows what this vetting process is like but i do applaud facebook for at least taking some baby steps to rid themselves of obviously some nefarious bad guys yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I give them some credit too for taking some baby steps. But look, the reason they're taking baby steps is they're being called on the carpet for everything from 
uh, yeah, you know, from the, congressional the, hearing. Squel- the squelching of, of conservative viewpoint all the way to, you know, not doing anything to stop sex trafficking, which is being advertised all over their pages. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, yeah. OK, so good job doing this. But there's I think there's a much bigger hill to climb. Yeah, I believe that there is. But at least they're being forced to look at it and have some sort of reckoning. I mean, the bottom line, of course, is money. Right. Because, you know, Facebook made a lot, an awful lot of ad money from this kind of content that surrounded it. And, you know, uh, international espionage and intrigue. Yeah. I mean, it's the Internet is wide open. So there's a lot of people there who are against America and America's best interest, whether they're internal or external. So how do you as a non-governmental agency filter that and make the best decisions to keep your platform clean? That's the problem. Right. Well, I don't have enough cyber technology expertise to weigh in on that, but I am saying that we have to do a better job than what we're currently doing. Um, I don't know. And so for those of you who are wondering why we're not streaming live on Facebook each day on our program, well, it's for something like this. We've been shut down by Facebook for a reason that we have not been able to figure out yet. And so until we're able to ascertain that, we are radio only. Which is good because radio is our roots, is it not? That's right. We love radio, so we're happy to be here. Yeah. And happy you're along for today's ride home. Yes, we'll take a break, come back. we got a big 5 o'clock hour, so please stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about Russia. I'm sure we'll have a little hockey conversation in there as well. And also Cold War silos for sale. Uh, it's a throwback 5 o'clock hour here on the ride home. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Democrat Joe Biden has named California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate, making history by selecting the first black woman to compete on a major party's presidential ticket. The Big Ten Conference has announced that it will not play football this fall. It will explore playing in the spring, and the Pac-12 Conference has now said it is also canceling fall football season, postponing all sports until January 1st because of COVID-19. President Trump says the coronavirus has soured his relationship with Chinese President Xi. The virus originating in China, the confirmed number of coronavirus cases in the world, has now reached 20 million. The president also tells the Hugh Hewitt Show on the Salem Radio Network he'll continue to be tough on Iran and China in a second term. This is SRN News. We were port sitting the other night, having a drink, listening to nature, talking. (laughs) I mean, life is still good, right? I mean, even in these weird times, there is so much beauty, still lots of joy. Anyway, as things do, our talk turned to life to time, security. And then my buddy confesses he was carrying this big nut of debt that was wearing him down. But months ago, he says, when everything just stopped and the bottom fell out, interest rates sank to those crazy lows. He saw it, seized it. He quickly found himself a cash-out refinance loan, consolidated the debt at that unheard-of rate, and had a new mortgage that wiped his slate clean with a lower monthly payment. One day this will all pass, but wouldn't it be good to come out stronger? United Faith Mortgage. Faith and family are central to who they are. Come out stronger. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Uncle Tom was amazing. 
simply brilliant. Uncle Tom's the finest, most thought-provoking documentary I've ever seen. What an amazing movie. Every American needs to watch your film. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. It's a great movie. It's just absolutely wonderful. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. I am blown away. Breathtaking. I sat here with tears rolling down my face through most of this movie. Thank you so very, very much for doing this. Uncle Tom is one of the most important documentaries of our time. I highly recommend everyone get it. I wish I could figure out a way to get everybody to watch it. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. I think that you may save America with this movie. UncleTom.com. Hi, this is John Hall telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money back guarantee mypillow.com. Save 30%. Use promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's mypillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Cloudy, humid tonight, low 67. Sunshine Wednesday, high 87. Partly cloudy for tomorrow night, low 67. Thursday, humid with clouds and sun. Watch for an afternoon shower or thunderstorm in spots, high 84. Cloudy on Friday with a shower or thunderstorm high 88, Saturday high 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings to you. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition. This beautiful and uh, very hot day here in August, uh, at least uh, hot here. I hope uh, wherever you are, you're nice and cool. Kath, um, have you been grocery shopping lately for your essentials? Uh, the last time I grocery shopped, I was in the Strip District. That was last uh, Tuesday, I think. Um, my daughter's currently at our local Giant Eagle. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, I wonder, are you getting what you need when you go to the store? I'm surprised how many things I'm looking for that are not there. Tell me, like, what are you, okay. okay. TP, so, paper towels, that's kind of a given in yeah, some way, right? Uh, yeah, but I, I don't, I, I'm good with that now. Um, I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's working at my local store, but um, I will be, See, this sounds like this is like a total like first world problem, but I'll go to buy yogurt and the vanilla Dan and yogurt is often empty. It's not there. Maybe I'll be looking for the Breakstone sour cream and they'll have the cottage cheese, but not the sour cream. 
or I'll be looking for a particular kind of eggs or a particular kind of, it's, it's that just the stock of whatever it is just isn't there. Right. When I went to um, Target a couple weeks ago, I was looking for sheets. I couldn't believe how few sheets there were in the store, John. Sheets? Sheets, like twins, fulls, oh. queens, whatever it was. There were just like, there are whole sections of shelves that are empty. Interesting. Okay, so now you can imagine that, you know, during whenever the pandemic first started back in March and through April, there was this mad rush for soup and TP and right. paper towels and whatnot. And of course, those manufacturing sectors are working overtime to increase production by more than 40%, they say. But, you know, the things that you're t- talking about, those are weird items. And it seems as though there's more and more of that kind of stuff that the supply chain has been used yeah. up. The back orders, you know, the, the surplus was there, but now to make up for that lost back order, you wonder why is it a lack of manpower, a lack of resources, whatever. There's something that's, you know, a chink in the armor of the supply chains for a lot of goods and services. I agree. So why is that? Well, they don't know. Only that they're trying to catch up and people continue to buy at large rates. Okay. So people are buying large quantities of things. Yes. Going through things at, or at least buying them and emptying shelves at a faster pace. And so they're not able to make up for yes that big chunk of purchase because then they'll, if they do stock the shelves, then people have already purchased all their toilet paper they need for the next two months. And so they're not going to buy it. And so then the whole thing slows down. But the weird thing is, why are people continuing to buy at panic levels I don't know. when things have really leveled off? Well, right. I mean, I mean, I don't think anybody's you know, running around, you know, my kingdom for a roll of TP. Right. Right. Uh, there's enough there. But uh, look. listen, I am telling you, things don't work right now. And this is a complete first world problem. So I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying this is what it is at this time in history. I think I told you I purchased um, I purchased a uh, a mattress like a mattress cover. Yeah. Um, a duvet. A du- no, it wasn't that. It was like a mattress pad, like a cushy mattress pad that you would put to make your bed feel cushier. Oh, you sure. know what I mean? My and pillow. I bought it at a company online. Yeah. Right. And it came maybe two weeks later, three weeks later, like much longer than it would normally take. And when I opened the box, it was a totally different thing. Like it wasn't a mattress pad and it was not for the size that I specified. And it was not the brand I was looking for. It was like nothing. It was nothing. So I went to a local store, which was affiliated with the website where I bought it, took it back to the store. The store couldn't even figure out what the product was. Now, if I wouldn't have had the receipt, I would have been completely up a creek because they were, they could have said, you know, well, you bought this at some other store, but I had the receipt. And so they knew I bought it there, but they said, we've never seen this product and it's not in our computer anywhere. That is so strange. So I ended up in the store, John, over one hour with people working there trying to figure out what the product was. Uh And while I'm doing this, they're they're short on cash. There are people come in who want to, who want to get refunds in cash. They don't have enough money in the cash register. Then they figure out they have to open up another cash register. They open up the second cash register and realize that if they didn't have enough cash for one cash register, they certainly don't have enough cash for the second one. It calls the, all this, all this consternation with the workers. I mean, I mean, I, all I could think of when I was there for the hour is this store is clearly not working right now. Uh, strange days indeed. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, during the uh, bottom of the hour here, we're going to talk to someone uh, f- who was in Russia 
during the 80s. And uh, he talks about what he's seeing right now in America in many ways is reminiscent of that time. So um, who knows? History is repeating itself in a free market capital place. Now, listen, we all have enough to eat, so there's nothing for us to complain no, about. No, we're fine. You know what I mean? It, like me not being able to get a mattress pad, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Like that is no big deal. I do think it's good, though, to like kind of take stock of where we are and say, okay, so there are a lot of people that used to work at that store that I was in for an hour mm-hmm. who clearly don't have jobs anymore. The people who are working there are working part-time and don't really know what's going on. And us. it's just a lot. It, there's a lot of suffering going on. It surely is. And the least of it is me with the mattress pad. <sighs> Well, you know, this that's how it used to be in the old days. Now it's just a whole other different life. That's all. Okay, let's take a break. We'll step away. Uh, pastor Paul Roberts is with us in a few minutes. Uh, he's the pastor of Eastminster Church in East Liberty. And we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter and white angst and anger towards whatever that is. Stick around for that. The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Each one of these men and women lived their lives, faced challenges in their lives, and overcame by faith. And therefore, they received a great reward because God is the rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds. I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up history. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They are actively learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this from me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack. Brandon Tainter. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman Cain. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code MOVIE for 20% off. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. 
We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. We are at a very particular exclamation point here in the United States of America. How do you make sense of the changes that we have undergone in the last several months, COVID-19 notwithstanding? Of course, uh, we're talking about uh, the, uh, the death of George Floyd the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. And now, seemingly, um, in many areas, there has been a lot of hand-wringing, of course, a lot of anger, a lot of backlash about it, about a movement that is, for some people, deeply threatening and very scary. So how do you make sense of it all, especially as a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, Pastor Paul Roberts is with us. Pastor Roberts, as I said, is the pastor at Eastminster Presbyterian Church in the East Liberty neighborhood. He's been in ministry for well over 30 years, pastoring three churches here in Western Pennsylvania. And Pastor Paul, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? Uh, Great. It's great to be with you and Kathy again. Thank you. Yeah. Always good to hear from you, Paul. So talk to us from your perspective. Um, People who are... (sighs) I don't know, Paul, I don't know how to say it. People who look at the Black Lives Matter movement and say, look, I'm not going to affiliate myself with that um, because I don't like its politics. Uh, I'm not going to support a socialist organization. Um, I'm not going to do that. Um, And so instead of looking at the sentiment, Black Lives Matter, they're caught up in whether they're going to support the organization or not. What does that mean to people in your church, in your community? Um, That's a really good question, Kathy, because Black Lives Matter that, you know, started back, I think it was 2013, was, was, uh, you know, from a concern of another person who had been killed, um, I believe Michael Brown. And it was was a real concern um, when they came up even with the idea of Black Lives Matter that there seems to be in America, in white America, a lack of sensitivity of knowing what the black community is going through. Um, and, and Black Lives Matter was a good slogan of saying, we want you to understand what's happening here. And it, and it's, and it has been uh, definitely turned towards, you know, again, like everything in America right now, totally made into a political right or left kind of a thing and marked as a radical left kind of a movement or whatever. And I don't believe that's what Black Lives Matter is all about as, at all of, of a politic left wing, very liberal kind of a thing now connected. You know, they want to lift it always up with um, eliminating police departments instead of understanding the root of it and what it really is asking and for people to want to finally listen um, to the concerns that the black community has. Right. So Paul, I mean, even, you know, last night, uh, of course, you know, well-documented in Portland riots going on. So people say that and go, well, that's not Black Lives Matter. That's just, you know, rioters in the street. And, of course, people of good conscience and especially hopefully believers in Jesus Christ would go, of course, that's, you know, that just criminal behavior. But, but as believers, we are risen to a higher standard that we should look at people in the image of God and not as a collective group. 
But, you know, um, I, I shared with you, you know, emails that we've received here at the station that have been deeply unkind and uh, really angry and accusatory that we would even dare speak of Black Lives Matter because to do so somehow is out of step with what people view as established Christianity or some conservative political viewpoint, which as believers, we must all espouse in America in 2020. Yeah, I think that's a, a deep concern um, that I have, um, John, that you're raising right now is this polarization of conversation and to where how we talk with one another. And, and you've had that early on in the program, 5 o'clock, which I thought was great. But, you know, I think of Galatians 5 that talks about, the, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all qualities of how we should be rea- interacting with each other on these issues that we're having. And to hear people say that you, you know, you don't know God or aren't a part of God's side by having this position, you know, or you're, you're not American because you don't step in toe with what I'm saying. This is a real struggle that, that really hurts to think that the church is in the middle of this divisive kind of conversation that we don't know how to talk to each other. We don't even want to be interested in understanding what does Black Lives Matter? Um, what is it in its roots saying to the Christian community? Um, and how are we supposed to be responding? We, we seem to have lost the ability to want to listen, to learn, and, and then make a decision of how we should react, rather than already having our position, not listening, and instead attacking and certainly not using the fruits of the spirits in our conversation. That's the Reverend Paul Roberts with us. Um, Paul's the pastor of East Liberty, our Eastminster Presbyterian Church in the East Liberty section of Pittsburgh. Um, So Paul, what, so you're white, John's white, I'm white, Mike's white. So we got four white people here having this conversation. Um, Talk about from the perspective of your friends I'm going to ask you kind of speak for them at this point. What would they like to tell us? Do you think about black lives matter about that phrase, about that sentiment? Yeah, I think, thank you so much for, for asking that question. I, I think in a, in a church like ours that, you know, it's, is now on a Sunday worshiping around 45% African-Americans. There are things that we are learning especially the the white community um, in our church. And and the first thing is to really develop the skill of wanting to listen, not not to fix it, not to so that I can argue something back, but to truly listen to what has been going on with with African-Americans for 401 years, to truly take in the trauma and to listen to the stories not with a defensive sense, but really to listen. Um, the other thing is that to, to watch things. Too often, white America has decided that something is for blacks and something is for whites. So when you think of, of movies like Selma or Just Mercy or Harriet, too often we're seeing this, oh, those are black movies. 
No, they are movies about the black experience that whites need to take in and understand. Um, we need to, to read um, more about the black experience. We need to be able to read things like the new Jim Crow, Parting the Waters, um, White Fragility, to try to understand better um, through reading what is going, has been going on for the last 401 years. And, and we also need to start going and participating. Don't think that the, that the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C. Is, is for blacks. It's for whites to go to, to understand, to experience what has happened um, in the last 400 years, especially the, the trauma that it's going on, to really take in what slavery meant, what Jim Crow meant, what, what segregation meant, what the, the era of lynchings meant, um, to, all of it, to, to take it in, to go to the Mississippi Museum of, of lynching and to go to the Alabama um, Civil Rights Museum, to go to Atlanta, to the King Center. Um, so I think that what I hear the, that the cry is, it's time for white America to listen, to watch, to read, and to go to the places to experience what has happened, and then have a conversation. Paul, that's excellent. Seriously, I'm not it's so well said. To listen, to experience, uh, and then have the conversation. It's not and- too much to ask. No, it's not. I mean, with uh, all the angsty, you know, comments we've gotten, John, or the email that you're talking about, it just seems like, like it's just sitting back and listening. It just shouldn't be that hard for us. Now, a friend of mine said, "Hey, hey, John, wait. I, it feels as though like th- this is what's happened to me. That I've been reading a story all along, and that story is my life as a person in the United States. All of a sudden, that book has been yanked from my hand, and I'm being forced to read another story. And I'm not really necessarily sure that story that I'm reading has any validity. So why am I being forced to do this? I mean, people are you know hard headed like that. I mean, and I a get lot that. Of- I get. I mean, I think there's a there's a good point to be made there that it is a difficult thing to readjust to right. Paul, you want to you want to comment on that um yeah i think it is hard and i and i think for a lot of of white america i i think there is a sense and i think some of that this is changing because i've never had such a response as i've had in the last um three to four months from uh white churches and white friends and connections who are saying what can we do um, there's something really going on here. So, so I'm really happy about that and that it seems that something's really going on. People were deeply disturbed about the George Floyd incident. I think what needs to be communicated at the same token is there's a large section, I believe, of African-Americans who are very angry because they want to say, um, and what what I hear sometimes is that, we are really angry because we've been telling you this for years and years and years, and you didn't trust us or listen to us. Why do you always come with the idea that what we're saying is not valid, and I'm going to try to prove that it's not valid? Um, you know, why is the white person have that perspective? And I think it's because white America still, still 
really doesn't want to take a deep look because it's really ugly to see what we've done for 400 years. And I'm not sure we want, especially Christians, to take this in because we've been side by side with this. We've been benefactors of this terrible situation and we've put African-Americans in for 400 years. So it's almost like, you, you know, when you see something and it's so dark, you, you don't want to go in there because it's like, I don't want to go. That just seems like such a mess. I think for a lot of white Americans, that's the perspective. It's like, mm-hmm. if we really take this in, I'll have to change. I'll have to think differently. And I don't want to crush this kind of myth that I believe that America is this great, wonderful, good-for-everybody country. Somehow to take a look at the black American experience will shatter that myth, and it's just something we don't want to have shattered. Yeah. Paul Roberts is with us, senior pastor of Eastminster Church for 16 years, more than 16 years. He's been in ordinary ministry for well over 30 years, pastoring three different churches in Western Pennsylvania. Paul, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, several of the emails and communications we've gotten from listeners who were saying, look, I recognize that things have been bad for African-Americans in America, but that wasn't me. You know, I didn't do any of that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what you expect me to do at this point. And I don't know why it's such a big, why can't we just start over? Yeah. And, you know, we talked about that at, uh, at our dinner table just a couple nights ago. And I was thinking about, Paul, my, uh, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, um, who was a Polish immigrant to America. And um, she moved here with five kids. Her husband took off. And so she was alone with five little kids. She didn't speak any English. And the only way she could make it work is she made moonshine in her basement in New Kensington during Prohibition. And it was a, she had a bar. She, this was like, this was her life. This is how they survived. Now I never knew her, right? This was in, you know, 1920 that this was going on, but something about that story has always been in me. I never knew her. I'd know, you know, she and I never held hands. We never hung out. I don't even know what she was like, except that that story somehow tells me something about me. And I don't know, Paul, when we were talking at dinner the other night, all, you know, our family was like, well, that's what it is. It's not just, so if there's an African-American who's living the way they are right now, their stories of their grandparents and their great grandparents matter to them, right? It's in them, like my great grandmother's stories in me. Correct. Correct. But we also, um, I, I think need to come into, um, contact with the understanding that what we are seeing in the in the um, african-american community which is unheard of of any other the communities is generational trauma that was was put upon them and what does that say how am i going to react to that that it's not you know a trauma of an event that happened one time or two times we're talking about a trauma that lasts and has lasted for 400 years that that they have within within themselves the history of of slavery the history of lynching the the history of segregation the history of redlining real estate that this is just their history and it's not that long ago and continues today the reality and this is what the police brutality and the and the whole things that have been studied about mortgages have brought up 
You know, if a if today, you know, this was actually results from I think two or three years ago study, but an African American couple with the same uh, age, same education level, same economic level, went to get a mortgage compared to the a white couple with that education and economic, the white couple is three times more likely to get the mortgage. You see, things haven't changed in some areas very, very much. The police brutality. I mean, we know that African Americans are eight times more likely to be shot. So this is the world that they've lived in. And so it's still here today. Trauma still is going on today. And we need to listen to that and then realize this isn't one event. This just gets put into the trauma pool that has been there for 400 years. And which, okay, for white America, we've benefited from that economically. We have benefited. So I may not have personally perpetrated something towards an African-American, but do you know what? What I own, my education, and, and my ability for economic success and all that, and my parents and their parents, all came from a system that benefited from that and abused a certain category of people called African-Americans. And, and we have to take that in so that none of us are, are, are innocent with that. We've all got the benefit of what it means to be white and what I got because I was white and what other people were not able to get. And many times were used and taken to which our, our empires of business were built on the terrible treatment of those on the lower class system that were taken advantage of. Pastor Paul Roberts, he's the pastor of Eastminster Church in the East Liberty neighborhood of the city of Pittsburgh. Pastor, uh, thank you for your courage, for your honesty, for your time here sharing with us. We always appreciate your voice. Well, thank you for inviting me to the program again, uh, John and Kathy. I really appreciate it. Pleasure is ours. We'll take a quick break and come back in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to switch gears and talk about back to college. When your kid's off to college for this uh, weird year, what are you packing? Right? At RPTS, class is back in session on campus, in person, this fall. Theological training happens best in the context of community, and RPTS prepares students for ministry as they interact face-to-face with pastor professors who share their lives as well as their knowledge. With small class sizes and large class spaces, RPTS offers an environment that easily meets all safety protocols. So take the next step in your ministry future. RPTS, study under pastors. Register now at rpts.edu. This is the Entertainment Answer. What is my streaming pick of the week? Well, it has to be the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. Journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim Mahoney, who has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events, interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. Now to see patterns of evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code MOVIE for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com to watch Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle Part 2. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? <sighs> Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. 
You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a Help at Home caregiver. Or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home at 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. At StockFamilyDentistry.com, WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at WordFM.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the Word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, tune in, and at radio.com. Cloudy, humid tonight, low 67. Sunshine Wednesday, high 87. Partly cloudy for tomorrow night, low 67. Thursday, humid with clouds and sun. Watch for an afternoon shower or thunderstorm in spots, high 84. Cloudy on Friday with a shower or thunderstorm, high 88. Saturday, high 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Okay, kids are headed back to college, for better or worse. Um, Some kids are staying at home, but there are other colleges are going, we're going in. And so if your child's headed off to college, are you going to pack a little different this time of year than you did last year? I mean, are there particular things that you think you might need? Kath, uh, you're about to send your daughters off. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, we've already decided we're stocking up on masks. I mean, that's like a basic necessity. Yeah. But should I be changing all the other stuff? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there are other things that I need to include in the list that I haven't yet. Yeah, well, there are. So there's an article in the Wall Street Journal today exactly about that. Now, they're saying, of course, the obvious things that you need uh, are many, many of your Clorox wipes, right? Okay. And uh, your Clorox spray, or the Lysol spray. Uh, But you also need to pack a pandemic uh, COVID kit just in case your child gets infected. Okay, what would that be? And the child has to go into isolation, there should be some comfort items. There should be, you know, some, you know, things that occupy a person's time when they're separate from the rest of society. Well, so like imagine books and things, books, puzzles, sweets, um, things that are just, you know, kind of out of the ordinary. All of a sudden, you know, you've got your internet, but you've also got two weeks of, of total isolation. What's that going to look like? Interesting. Okay. I, I, I had not, not thought of that. that. 
Okay. There's also, you can buy, um, they're saying, okay, so forget about the idea of in your child's dorm, you would buy one of those, what the, uh, uh, ionic, uh, air yeah, freshener, right. right. But you can buy ultraviolet room lights that act as somehow, again, a weird disinfectant just as a cover. If you're totally nervous about your kid being at college. How about what, that? UV room lights where yeah. they purple. Am I going to, it's going to look like a, a, you know, Chauncey's in 1990. It's like your black lights. All of a sudden you're back. <laughs> 1977. I don't know. Peace to you, my man. Yeah. Dig it. Anyway, there are ways that you can look at this pandemic and there's technology that you can buy special sheets that have some sort of antiviral protection. You can but dig antivirus down. sheets mm-hmm. like bed sheets. Yes. You can dig down deep. Well, into if this I couldn't find a, a mattress pad, John, I'm not finding those. I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a strange time, but you can equip your child. If you want to go to the far, far, far weird extreme and do stuff like that. Okay. Or you can just stay at home as well. Okay. How about these um, apps that colleges are, are having students install, which go off like a huge alarm goes off. If you get within six feet of another person. That's not going to work real well, is it? I mean, that's going to be an alarm all day long. Listen, my husband and I, because, you know, I have, we have a daughter who's going to college for the very first time. Yeah. And we were laughing with her last night, talking about what it's going to be like when you're going to college and you're trying to figure out whether someone of the opposite sex is attractive or not. And you can't see, you know, half of their face. Right. Right. And if you get within six feet of them, an alarm goes off. I mean, it's just, you're doomed. No. You're yeah. doomed. You're so it's, doomed. It's every nervous mother's greatest gift right. to keep their child safe <laughs> while they're at college. No oh doubt about my that. Gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about um, things are weird today. Well, a, a man's going to join us who's a pastor and teaches at a seminary. He said, I've seen this before. This is kind of a repeat of something that happened earlier in my life. Stick around for that. I've experienced this cultural moment before in Russia. That's next year on The Ride Home. WORD. 30 million children in the U.S. rely on school for food. And with schools and summer camp programs shut down due to the pandemic, the need is both great and immediate. Join Word FM as we team up with Save the Children to meet the needs of children not only around the world, but right here at home. A $100 gift right now can help us keep kids healthy and learning throughout the COVID-19 outbreak. Make the greatest difference at a crucial time for kids now by going to wordfm.com. Gold prices keep climbing and just hit an all-time high. COVID-19 and battered global economies are sending investors to the safe haven of physical gold to avoid losing value in their IRAs, 401ks, and stocks. Don't stand on the sidelines and wonder what the stock market is going to do next. Protect and grow your financial future today with a call to American Bullion, the leader in gold investments. You have valid concerns, and we have simple solutions for all needs and budgets. In fact, we specialize in first-time gold buyers as well as veterans. Find out about American Bullion's hassle-free process to transfer any portion of your IRA, 401k, or stocks into the long-term safety of a gold IRA today. Call 800-GOLD-IRA and ask for our free gold guide. That's 800-465-3472. 800-GOLD-IRA. Grow your financial future with the rising value of physical gold and protect yourself during this worldwide crisis. Call the leader, American Bullion. 800-GOLD-IRA. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently. 
and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy show. Okay, so it's bizarre, right? We are living in a weird, weird space here in the world. But our next guest is sort of experiencing deja vu all over again. Andre Sheeran is with us. Andre is Associate Professor of Divinity, Director of Transformational Leadership at John Leland Center for Theological Studies in Arlington, Virginia, where he researches, teaches the intersection of techno- theology, leadership, and public life. He wrote a really excellent piece in Christianity Today called, I've Experienced This Cultural Moment Before in Russia. Andre, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? Very good. Thank you, John, for having me on. Our pleasure, yes. Andre. Before we even get started, let's just get the dirty business out of the way. Uh, apparently, you yourself are a Washington Capitals fan. Guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. Andre, I don't know how we can proceed after this point. Yeah, well, God bless you, sir. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, Andre. So in your piece, you talk about uh, civil discord and, you know, deep divisions among the population. And it goes deeper and deeper. You've seen this before. You talk about seeing this way back in Russia when you used to live there. Tell the story. Well, correct. Uh, the similarity is we have two large segments of the population that do not see each other as, well, moral or legitimate, or they see each other so wrong as uh, not impossible to reason with. And back in the Soviet Union, um, I don't know, some of us, uh, shall I say, mature enough to remember the Soviet Union. When yeah. Gorbachev came to, power, came to power in 85, no one, no one believed the Soviet Union would be gone in a few years. Uh, and, and yet, um, when uh, Gorbachev opened up uh, uh, the opportunity for people to speak, the population split right in the two camps that they just did not see each other as, well, legitimate or moral or uh, being able to reason with. And uh, Gorbachev tried to govern from the center, but the space in the center shrunk, so he was abandoned by everyone. Mm. 
So right. that's so, and, and we're seeing this happen here. You know, I, I had mm-hmm. never never likened the two, and of course, I wasn't in the Soviet Union at that time, as you were, Andre. But I think about the center disappearing, and that's what is clearly happening in America. You know, people are polarizing to the extent that you're ending up with a far right and a far left, and nothing left in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre, talk about um, the role of Christians at that point in the waning days of the Soviet Union. Were they also pulled in the same directions as people who were not believers? Well, one thing to understand about uh, the Soviet Union is uh, the primary cause, and I believe the primary cause of the disappearance of the Soviet Union of Fallen Apart was spiritual. Uh, there were no, as academics say, structural reasons for Soviet Union coming apart. Well, economy kept growing. Well, the uh, standard of living was low in the West, but they have been worse. So there was no economic reasons for collapse of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. There was no viable opposition at the time when Gorbachev came to power. And yet I remember the palpable feeling that there was just uh, a moral and spiritual dead end. We just cannot live like this anymore. And I think the similar thing is happening in the United States right now. Um, it's not the, so much uh, the economic crisis. It, it uh, predates the pandemic, but I think people uh, uh, reach this uh, fairly high level of affluence, but they uh, did not have the spiritual and moral kinds of the, uh, foundation for the to meaning of their lives. They're searching for that, and they see injustice around them as we did in the Soviet Union. And so, but I believe the root is spiritual, and the role of the church was back then. The Soviet Union was secular, but when that thing came about, you know, being a Christian become cool. Just cool. It's hard to imagine, but it, it became cool. Those communist party bosses became Christian. All Christians, they were saying they were secret Christians all along. And that is really, uh, the Soviet Union Eastern Europe is the only example of Desecularization that we have. And I think that may be a possibility also in the West. Okay, so then let's pin our hopes on that. Because people have, uh, have been talking about this for a long time, Andre. What you know, the idea of a revival sweeping across this land. I mean, uh, there you are mm-hmm. as a seminary professor. I'm sure you think about this, pray about this a lot. I mean, is that even something that, you know, in, you know, in this place that we're in right now, is a revival possible? Can you breathe life into that? Well, no one knows about that, and I will, will not pretend to know. I think uh, 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 the revival uh, is possible. It is always possible. I just do not think it will be anything like first great awakening or second great awakening. It will have its distinctives. But in times of spiritual crisis uh, like this, people are searching for guidance in their lives. Uh, may, uh, some would look at the church of course the church has a lot of baggage uh, just as russian church uh, uh, had at the time but i think uh, it is clearly a possibility 
Dr. Andre Sheeran is with us, Associate Professor of Divinity and Director of Transformational <laughs> Leadership at John Leland Center for Theological Studies, Arlington, Virginia. Um, I wonder, Andre, if I could ask you to comment on the news story that came out today about Russia registering the world's first COVID-19 vaccine, uh, despite all the safety concerns about it. Um, so Putin it seems to be very excited about this. His daughter is going to be one of the first ones in line who's going to get the vaccine. Uh, but this is something that he put a lot of uh, political pressure um, on his uh, medical researchers about. Uh, how do you feel about it? Well, um, uh, I am tempted to be a believer uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, I know I had my undergrad, I did my undergrad in Russia. Russian has a lot of bright scientists. Uh, and the second is my, my understanding they had PDF trials because uh, uh, they had volunteers willing to do to enter trials on earlier stages, maybe putting themselves at great risk. Uh, but I'd like to be a, a believer, as many of the people, people here, here, I'm sure, would like to. Uh, and the other reason is they're willing to try it on, on the wider populace. If this is something that is not legitimate or defective, it will be clearly perceived. They, 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 uh, they must be pretty sure because, uh, uh, before they try to vaccinate the population. Yes. Well, Audrey, thanks. So we appreciate uh, the peak in your perspective uh, here living in America, teaching in a seminary, uh, and uh, peace be with you. Uh, let's do this again soon. Uh, thank you. Andre Sheeran, Associate Professor of Divinity, Director of Transformational Leadership at John Leland Center for Theological Studies in Arlington, Virginia. Take a break, come back. Uh, yeah, stick around. We're going to talk about a relic, just uh, oddly, about a relic from the Cold War era that's now for sale. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have, and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. My wife and I have had this conversation 700 times. Honey, where would you like to go for dinner? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you think. Okay, how about Restaurant 1? Oh, no, definitely not Restaurant 1. How about Restaurant 2 instead? Oh, please don't ever make me go back to Restaurant 2. And it soon becomes clear that we need a restaurant advisor for a decision that big. It's Ryan, and in many ways, our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is kind of like a restaurant advisor, but for mortgages. We're big on presenting you with your options and then letting you decide. As in, refinancing to a 30-year loan will make your payment this and save you that over the 30 years. Or a 20-year refinance will mean this and that 
Or you could cash out this much of your current equity and end up with this and that. If you'd like to see your options, know that we're committed to never pressuring even one word FM listener. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office, and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. All right. Well, um, I spent considerable time in South Dakota. It's, uh, you know, on the plains. Absolutely beautiful. And it's also desolate. Mm -hmm. But uh, as desolate as South Dakota is, added a whole other layer and put in North Dakota, uh, an hour south of the Canadian border in Fairdale, North Dakota. There is a, a hulking concrete structure that rises up out of those flat fields that surround it. It's a huge building. It's so prominent otherwise on this um, landscape that you could mistake it in some ways for a 20th century Stonehenge. Now, um, it's a Cold War missile site and oh, it really? is for sale. Now, we were just talking to a man from the Soviet Union. Well, and I guarantee the, he doesn't want it. From the former Soviet Union. So uh, America made a great investment uh, in the Cold War. Of course, in the, the 1970s, relationships were at, at an all-time low. So um, to protect um, themselves from a, a impervious uh, Russian onslaught of missiles coming to America, the United States went about building a missile defense system. And, you know, you couldn't put a missile defense system, you know, in New York City. You had to put it far, far away, which North Dakota is just appropriate for. So now uh, that the Cold War has de-escalated, these plots are for sale. They are dotted across America. But this plot in North Dakota, 50-acre formal missile site and command bunker, surrounded by double fences and sits a short drive from other sites, uh, had these Titan missiles in. And uh, these missiles were, you know, these beautiful, sleek, hypersonic. Remember, you know, the, that look of the hypersonic, yeah. the, uh, the, the Concorde. They were sort of, they looked like that. And they were short-range missiles. There were 12, uh, 12 of them within this bunker. Uh, they were decommissioned back in the uh, early 1990s. Please but tell now, me they're gone. They are gone. Good, they're um, not included in the sale. No. What's included are these gigantic, you know, brutalism, right? The architectural. Yes, term, I know brutalism. it well. If you were a Pitt you, student, you recognize it. Of course. Universe, well, that is brutalism on the North Dakota plains. These 50 plus acres could be yours somewhere in the neighborhood of $16 million. Now, the real estate agent listed in an article that I'm reading from for sale, a Cold War bunker and missile silo in North Dakota from Atlas Obscura says his phone has been ringing 
off the hook. No way. Yes. That he said there is great interest in this. Now, this again is a salesperson speaking. Right. But he said, you know, I'm getting calls from preppers. COVID-19 has been very good for this. I'm getting calls from internet companies because the thick concrete is a protector in many ways of their precious web band. Mm. So, I mean, go to North Dakota, set up a compound on 50 plus acres in the middle of nowhere, 16 million bucks, you're good to go. I bet there's a lot of concern that there are going to be people with nefarious intent who are going to try to buy that. Of course, right? How do you vet something like that? So then all of a sudden, does the government get involved in the transaction by looking at people? I can't imagine the government would not be involved in that transaction. Yeah, because it's government or former government property, right? Or it is still, still government property. Right. So if you were, what do you call the people who, who, um, who stock food away? The preppers. The preppers. Okay. That's a perfect, that's like a dream scenario for a prepper. Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, these photographs in this article that I'm looking at, they're actually very pretty because. What's pretty about the cold war? Nothing. It was pretty about the cold war. As, as ugly as architectural brutalism is, there's something to be said about it on a, on a backdrop of this beautiful green sweeping plane. It looks pretty darn good there. Really? Yeah, it really does. I'm, I'm, I'm not moving. No, I would not move. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere, Kath. And can you imagine those winters? Listen, I hate our winters. I guarantee you I wouldn't be happy with theirs. You have got that right. Well, anyway, listen, uh, our podcast is up and running after we leave the air. You can check us out online at wordfm.com and uh, check us out. Any portion of the show you might want to hear again, uh, emails are wide open as well. John Hall at Word FM, Kathy at Word FM. You have yourself a great night. God willing, we'll see you same time tomorrow. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.